Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, what I'd like to do to begin with is uh, ask the, the ever-faithful award-winning editor of the BRL Memorandum, um, if you would be so kind as to mic run so that we can introduce the folks who are here. I'm Ralph Smitherman from Brandon, Mississippi. I'm Jan Hawthorne from Jackson, Mississippi. All-time champagne Braille, yes, Braille Games winner. Judy Wilkinson from California, newly elected president of the Lockberry Users. And third prize winner. I'm... I'm Kael Wright. I'm um, just want to see what this session is about because I've been an NLS user for a long time. So I'm from Hawaii. I'm Albert Anderson from Chicago, Illinois, and I'm privileged to be one of the people serving right now on my state talking book and braille service advisory committee. So whatever I pick up here is probably going to be passed on to somebody who benefit from it. Hello, I'm Frank Welty from the Media and Accessible Design Laboratory at the Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco. Gary Patterson, I'm from Windsor Heights, Iowa. Dixie Harnden from Des Moines, Iowa. Kate Crohan, Arlington, Mass. I'm Carrie Johnson from Nashville, where we do wear shoes and do read. <laughs> Jeannie Johnson, where, to go along with his line, we do get married, and the person we marry isn't a relative. Hi, this is Rick Belcher from St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you. Merrill Sector from Windsor Mill, Maryland. Dennis Abedin, Wisconsin. Nora Graves from Wisconsin. Teresa Curry from Gonzales, Louisiana. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Mary Heroyan from Worcester, Massachusetts. Sharon Strakowski, Worcester, Massachusetts. Very good. Thank you so much, Mr. Ralph. We appreciate it. I was um, panicking just a little bit um, because I thought uh, that, that I might have been in real trouble um, in, in that I thought we might have needed start and end codes for this session, but we don't. Um, I have the start and end codes for the next session up now, but I was trying to make sure that I had these up for now. So. This morning we got an opportunity to get to know a little bit uh, the narrator who is with us this year, uh, Gary Tells from uh, the Potomac Talking Book Services. And um, I, I listen to Gary virtually every week because he, he is virtually a regular reader now uh, for the New York Times Book Review. And, um, and because of that, um, I, I tend uh, to, uh, I, I usually try to read the, the New York Times on a Sunday before, um, but th there are times when I miss it, and when that happens, it has already disappeared um, from Newsline, and so I wait till Friday comes along, or Saturday comes along, and hey presto, uh, there is Gary, and usually I think Eva Wilhelm, um, who is the other reader? Oh, and my wife, Joanne Jaquinta. Joanne Jaquinta is your wife. Well, look at that. See, and we didn't even know that. See, all this exciting new pieces of information. So first, it's a great pleasure to meet you, sir, and I'm Paul Edwards. Pleasure's mine. Excellent. So I'm going to shut up, and which would you prefer, to sit and use a hand mic or to stand and use the podium? Um, I don't know. I guess it doesn't make a difference. Uh, it is your choice. All right. I'll take the hand mic. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for showing up. Uh, hope you all had a good lunch, etc. Oh, and I noticed Worcester's in the house. Uh, my, my brother went to Clark. I'm from... I'm from New Bedford, uh, so you know, I have a lot of uh, roots there. Currently, oh, sorry, sorry about that. Currently, I'm um, I'm living in uh, Maryland, uh, so you know that's. Oh, thank you, thank you. I guess be more comfortable. Uh, I'm currently in Maryland, and um, 
I'll, I'll try to do a little catching up for those of you who didn't see me earlier this morning. Uh, born in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Um, if you've read Moby Dick, you know about New Bedford. Um, moved uh, around a lot. My dad was in the service. Wanted to be uh, an actor from, I was a little kid. My, my first role was C for Cowboy uh, in first grade. <laughs> and, and we did, uh, and after that, it, it took a while for me to get, you know, really into it. I was only six at the time. But I do remember I did a little French play in elementary school where I was papa. And uh, then uh, I became very interested in reading, read, voracious reader, uh, loved acting. I wanted to be a movie star, but then I realized be an actor first. The movie star can come later. I'm still waiting. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure all you folks are too. Uh, but anyhow, um, as I uh, got older, I did more and more acting, as I was telling some of the folks over there at that table. Done some Shakespeare, some modern plays, some new plays, etc. And uh, I was in a reading. Uh, of a, I forget what the play was now, probably a new play. And the fellow who was directing this reading uh, was named John Reed. Now, some of you, uh, you know, clients might, he, he was a reader in the program, so you might have heard him. Anyhow, I said, well, how do you do that? And he told me how I auditioned and I got in. And uh, I've been very, very, very lucky with the books that I've gotten to read. Not all the books, some of them are yeah. deadly. Uh, but as I'd mentioned before, I got some real weird ones. I got Naked Lunch, if anybody knows that book. I, I, I don't know what I did or how I did it, but I did it. And uh, one of the latest ones, beg pardon? Oh, oh, profanity, pornography, uh, just confusion, and it's, yeah. it's insanity. And, and, and it's very difficult to know how to read it because of the way it's arranged on a page. Precisely. Well, the, the story being that uh, Burroughs went to, um, was it Morocco, I think? Yes. He went to Morocco, did a lot of heroin, or drank a lot, and he'd sit at his typewriter, just, and he'd throw the pages on the floor and just leave them lying all over the floor. So um, um, uh, I'm blanking. The guy who wrote Howl, Allen um, Ginsberg, oh, for Pete's sake. Uh, yeah, so Allen Ginsberg and one of the other beats, I forgot, who showed up and said, they saw this mess all over the floor, and they just pulled it all together and tried to, to, to make a real book out of it. And now it's a classic. Uh, <laughs> who knows? But uh, I've also read a lot of weird stuff. I, I read uh, um, recently The Book of Enoch, uh, which is this kind of, um, it's an apocryphal, uh, apocalyptic book. So you, you travel to hell, to heaven, to the doors of the sun and the moon and the angels and the fallen angels. And it's, it's, it, you did. I did. Oh, holy smoke. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of it? Because I found it. Well, thank you very much. I like this man. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, things like that, uh, all kinds of weird books. Many books that are very technical. I, I uh, recently narrated a book about the Principia Mathematica by, uh, you know, by Newton. It was written by an Australian gentleman. And just so you know, he was trying to describe physics, et cetera, et cetera, and he didn't have a mathematical language, so he just figured he'd invent calculus, uh, just like that. Uh, but he, he, um, uh, he, he wrote down basically word problems as opposed to equations, 
well, this modern Australian had all the equations down, and I told people that reading it was like trying to read uh, a book about Chinese mirror writing that's written in Chinese mirror writing. So <laughs> it was, uh, I, was, I felt pretty helpless. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, it's been wonderful. The, the magazines can be, you know, somewhat uh, involved in, in technical stuff. And same thing with the books. So I just shut up and read. Uh, you know, that's my motto, shut up and narrate. Uh, and I, I love the job. It, it's like um, many, many years ago, maybe 30 years ago, I read a book called um, uh, Geek Love. I don't know if anybody's familiar. It's a woman in Portland, I think. Her last name is Dunn. I can't remember. It's about a family who the father has decided, since he wants to be in the circus, he'd create his own freak show, and he'd give his wife all these chemicals and weird stuff so that she would give birth to these deformed, it was awful, it's awful. But the protagonist of the book uh, is, the, she's a narrator, and her job was sitting in a nice little studio at a microphone, reading books. And I thought, uh, w with a cup of coffee, I thought, what is better than that, you know? <laughs> you, you can go in t-shirt, shorts, whatever you want. You don't have to get all dressed up. And um, in, in my case, since I, I used to have, um, and this, this was very common back when we were using tape. We stopped using tape about, uh, say, 20 years ago, I'm thinking. Uh, and now you can, uh, now they do it all digitally, and I've been trained to do that, so, you know, I, I, I can go at my own pace, etc. I mean, they don't want you to take three months to read an article or something, but, you know, you're, you're the boss, I'm my own boss in many ways, and I appreciate that. I also appreciate, on a, if anybody's been to Maryland, D.C. area in the summer, uh, you know, well, I know there's some folks from Mississippi here and some of the, uh, yeah, some of the real red hot. <laughs> it's, it's just awful. It gets, it, it, it's miserably humid in the summer there. And so I drive by these construction workers all the time out in the heat, and I'm like, I'm going to go sit in an air-conditioned booth, fellas. I don't say that to them. That would be terrible. Exactly. <laughs> very, very mature. Um, yes. So, um, you know, I, I love sitting there with my cup of coffee. And if, if I get, and I've had such wonderful books. Uh, as I mentioned earlier this morning, I've done a bunch of, uh, of uh, Mark Twain, Philip K. Dick. Uh, any any uh, natural history buffs, uh, if you know Stephen Jay Gould, he wrote a series of best-selling books. Uh, I read a few of those. I just, you know, love reading. And, and he also used to have a regular column in Natural History magazine. So if you're, if you're into science, well, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, if you're into nature, wildlife, etc., cetera, uh, that's, he's a good one to read. Um, and uh, I've read tons of books. Now, these are popular books. They're for lay people on science issues, etc. cetera. Uh, so you would think that with all the reading I've done, you know, I'd be a college professor or something, but... <laughs> <laughs> Dream on, uh, but yeah, I've, uh, again, I've just loved what's coming in, and some of the some of the books that I've read have been, um, what's the word I want? Uh, like the Brass Ring. It's like, wow, I got this book. I, I, I get a few Dickens books. I'm sorry, Paul. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Oh, <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, do I really? Don't, All you guys, right. don't you guys need to come across Little Plop? 
I, I, I left my tweed jacket at home, what do you know? It's too darn hot. Uh, but yeah, what was I saying? Oh yeah, hot, humid. And people, people like from Atlanta, I have relatives down there, and they say, oh, it's worse in Atlanta. And I'm like, well, then it's not fit for human habitation because <laughs> I, I stay inside. Well, that's what most people do in like Houston and Atlanta. They just stay inside, to my knowledge. Yeah. Uh, all right, so, well, you know, we were going to have questions. Should I open up for questions now? Yeah. This, is, this is Judy. And uh, Gary, because we haven't, in, to my knowledge, in recent years had a narrator who does magazines, I would be very interested if you could describe the process of putting out the New York Times Oh, uh, sure. Book, you know, so we get a sense of, you know, like, do you get it on Tuesday? You'd get the idea. If you could sort of right. take us through that process, sure, that'd absolutely. be very interesting. Not at all. Um, yeah, we get the magazine on Monday. It comes out Sunday. We get it on Monday. They print out a big Xerox copy to make it easier to read. I prop it up on the, uh, the document holder have my trusty cup of coffee, and uh, then just start reading. Uh, there are certain, if, if you listen to the New York Times, uh, the, the book review, you'll see that I give the title of the article, then the author, then spell the name, then you know, give a little bio of the author and say how much time it'll take, etc. That usually takes a, like a day or two. Uh, wow. I get like half of the book review, and uh, well, as I mentioned, Joanne gets the other half. You're right about Eva. I don't know if how, because she works from home, so I don't know how much she's doing it, how regularly she's doing it. Um, then, you know, I finish it up, it goes off to the editing department and the reviewing department, and they listen to it, see what mistakes you've made, mispronouncing a word or you know, leaving a word out or whatever. Then you go back and do the corrections, the what words day, you've... What day are we up to now? Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay, of the first week still? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I'm usually done by Wednesday okay. at, at latest. And then they have to uh, review it again and uh, edit and all that stuff and send it out. No, so, do you put the table of contents on last? Uh, yes, yes. That's the very last thing we do after we've. Uh, good question. That's a good question. Yeah, it's the last thing we do because at this point now we know the length of each of the articles we've read so we can say, um, you know, Joe goes fishing 20 minutes or something like that. Beg pardon? Oh, it, it depends. Usually I'd say it's probably around four hours. That's accounting for the other people that, that, uh, that were, yeah. Uh, but they have also special holiday issues, you know, that kind of stuff, which you can effectively double that and double the time it takes to do. Um, I have a question for you. Sure. Have you ever spilled coffee in the booth? Oh, uh, <laughs> is the Pope Catholic? Okay. Uh, uh, why, of course, isn't that what it's for? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, the lady in the green, right here. And here you go. Oh. Oh, sorry. I'll get oh. you next time, ma'am. Oh, I'll go. Go ahead, Kao. All right. Uh, aloha, all. This is um, Kao Wright from Hawaii. How do you get, Gary, how do you get these interesting biographies to, to read? Like, one about, oh. one about Mark uh, Groucho and his brother Chico, or Chico? Chico, yes. <laughs> exactly. That, everybody pay attention. Because it's Chico Marx. Chico. Every, I don't know why everybody else calls him Chico. Chico. Well, it's spelled that way. He got that name. Uh, the brothers were all vaudeville stars, you probably know. And um, 
so they'd hang out backstage when their act wasn't on, and I forget the name of the, uh, the performer, but he'd be, they'd be playing cards in backstage. And he gave each of the brothers a nickname. He named Groucho because Groucho, you'd think because he was a grouch, but they had what used to be called a grouch bag, which you, I've never seen one either, but evidently it hung around your neck and you kept your money and your valuables in there. Zeppo, because the Zeppelin was a popular thing flying at the time. Uh, the uh, fifth brother, who most people don't remember, Gummo, he got named that because of the gumshoes. Harpo, obviously, because he played the harp. And Chico, because he liked the chicks. And that's why the guy, <laughs> that's, that's why he's pronounced that way. Uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was actually the, the, um, the brains behind the management of the brothers. Oh, okay. And he also had a serious uh, problem with gambling. Uh, yeah, uh, it was very bad. Um, I actually have portrayed Chico on stage a couple of times. Okay. Yeah, I got on the show called uh, Whatever It Is, I'm Against It. And, yeah. <laughs> Groucho. I, well, very often they just give it to you. Uh, but also very often I'll be looking through the shelf of books and I'll go, oh, Groucho, oh, come on, you gotta give me that. And I wound up reading it. Uh, fascinating story. He's a great hero of mine, unfortunately, Clay Feet. He was not a very nice person, uh, at least not to his wives. He, he was very abusive. Not not physically abusive, but if there's one person you don't want verbally abusing you, that would be Groucho Marx. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Uh, exactly. Minnie. Uh, this lady right here has a, the lady green to your left. Judy? No, 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 I'm sorry. To my other left? Yeah, to the other left. <laughs> this lady right here. This lady. There you go. Um, yes, um, I have a question about um, the magazines. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I used to get... Uh, what's your name? Oh, Sherry Molengraff. Hi, Sherry. Um, I used to get the um, Florida Monthly and then the uh, uh, John Hopkins and the um, uh, Mayo Clinic newsletter, mm -hmm. and they kind of quit um, doing it, and it, it seemed like every time we got it, it was the same person or the same two or three people reading it. Okay. Is that what happens? You, 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 it's the same person that reads well, a, a magazine? Generally, uh, things switch off, and sometimes you'll split up a magazine or a, uh, you know, a newspaper, like we do with the, with the uh, New York Times. In terms of the, the uh, newsletters you just mentioned, they may have come from another studio. I work at Potomac Talking Book Services, and there were, I think, three other studios around the country that did it. Actually, Mark actually used it, and the last one came oh, is that out right? about three weeks ago, Sherry. I, I, they put their thing up, and they told me that, that they don't read them anymore. They do. They it's, don't it's not true. I, I saw it on Bard three weeks ago. Yeah, I hope so. Mark Ashby is a terrific narrator, and he, he's the one you want to give the big, thick, technical books. I'm sure he'd kick me in the pants for saying that, but, uh, but he's the guy for it, and he speaks other languages, too. I, I can fake them. I'm very good at faking, actually, so a lot of times I'll go look stuff up and go, oh, I was right. Well, I'm a genius. How long have you and Joanne been married? Uh, we've been together for seven years. Okay. So we met at work. Okay. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> this is embarrassing. My, my pickup line was one of the oldest, corniest ones. I, I asked her, well, how you doing? She said, I'm fine. I said, I know you're fine. I asked you how you're doing. And 
she fell for it, so we've been together ever since. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> She's a my wonderful name, lady. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> my name is Josette, and I'd like to know, I've asked some of the other narrators this question in the past. Mm -hmm. What kind of preparation do you have to go through for some of the longer books? Uh, do you take notes in regard to the characters and um, you know, the various accents that, and the voices. That's and all a that. good question. Uh, I think it varies from narrator to narrator. Um, we have, well now with the internet, we have endless sources on pronunciation, et cetera, et cetera. But before we only had a few reference books, the, you you know, the dictionary, books. Random House Dictionary, the Geographical Dictionary, the Biographical Dictionary, some other uh, gazetteers and other um, kind of uh, geographical stuff like that. But now, although not always, uh, but very often you can get that information online. It might take a little bit of looking. Um, if in terms of characters, as I mentioned earlier this morning, when I, when I first started, well, I was going to be Mel Blanc and do every voice differently and accent and blah, 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 and, and you know, do a lot of emoting, et cetera, which I then came to the conclusion like, would I want to sit and listen to that for, you know, whatever, 12 hours? And I'm like, eh, just, just make it so that the, it's like when you're reading a book, you fill in all the characters, you fill in the, the, the descriptions of the places in your mind. And as much as possible, that's what I want to afford the clients who listen. I don't want them thinking, I listen to that Gary guy again. I want them to think, oh, I listen to you know, Mark Twain or, or whatever. So I've, I've turned that down a bit, and I try to keep it to just, um, you know, uh, who's talking, you know, what character is talking, and if they, uh, if they have an accent or something. Uh, you, you folks, some of you I'm sure are, f are familiar with Laura Generelli. Yes. She's been in the program forever. She's, uh, yeah, she read this whole big book and this character kept recurring and recurring and recurring and recurring. So, I don't know, a couple of hundred pages and of course, near the end, she finds out that he had a pronounced Scottish accent. So, <laughs> see, you can't fake it. So, so she had to go back and uh, do it again. I did, as I mentioned again, some of my, uh, some of my new friends here um, were asking about the Scottish book I did, which took place in Glasgow. It's about a, a homeless man who goes blind because of an accident. Now the entire book is written A, no punctuation, and B, uh, that happens a lot, believe it or not, uh, you know, especially in more modern literature. Uh, naked black, certainly. Naked, <laughs> I don't think punctuation would have helped that book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or improved it any. And, and the other one, very thick dialect and accent, so, as I mentioned, fortunately, I was dating a Scottish girl at the time, so, you know, uh, it, it worked out all right. But we tried to, if possible, fit the narrator to the uh, material. Uh, for instance, I, we get a lot of books that are written by Brits, the characters are Brits or Scots or whatever, and we do, unfortunately, we just recently lost our British guy. <laughs> the British guy, that's how we know him. Uh, no, 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 his name was uh, Peter Ho Oldway. Holdway? Peter Holdway. Terrific uh, Welsh gentleman who used to be with the Royal Shakespeare Company. How the mighty are fallen. Uh, but he, terrific guy. So, uh, but I have wound up doing British books and you know all kind of French accents and and stuff. Sometimes you just can't get away with uh, get away from it. You can't you can't uh, you can't skip that kind of thing. Uh, any 
anything else? Did I forget? Yes. Hello, this is Sharon, and I'm wondering if you're getting fewer books now because of the commercial narration? Um, that's a good question, Sharon. Uh, a lot of, because uh, recently the library has taken to using commercial books and formatting them for the, uh, you know, for the, the program. Uh, but for the most part, any, uh, and I think that is due in a large part to budgeting. Unfortunately, programs like this and other programs that help people uh, are, are being cut, and it, it's just terrible. Uh, but, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do, and I, 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 I've always felt proud of the fact that what we're doing is, is really good and helpful to people, and a lot of people have, well, to, today spoken to me and told me how, they, how much they like the program, but that's been going on since I started, and we get very nice fan mail, uh, et cetera, and uh, so it, it's always nice to know that, our, that the clients appreciate what we're doing. And uh, again, as I mentioned before, if, if this program didn't exist, many people would just have to buy or rent these books. And while they're wonderful, uh, the narrators are terrific, etc., it's not like picking up a, a paperback at the drugstore or anything like that. Uh, so um, I, think it's a, I think it's a matter of budgeting. I, I hope that we, uh, the next administration we get is more friendly towards the, the liberal arts, et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to just weapons. Um, this lady right here. Oh. Jan, is that you? To your left. Oh, hold on. Well, this lady here had her hand up. Okay. Right in front of you, the oh, maroon. Well, you know, uh, this is Chris Hunsinger from Hi, Pittsburgh. Chris. And one of the things that um, I sometimes, if I just am in a hurry to get a book and I'm near the regular public library, uh -huh. the one that I have to have a library card to use, um, I I will grab books either using OverDrive or R Digital or one of those things uh -huh. if that audiobook exists. And then I still don't have to pay for it. Yeah, no, that's good. Libraries are <laughs> really, they're, I think, the salvation for a lot of people. Problem is now, book books are, we have a new library near where I live in Silver Spring, Maryland. And it's got a big glass front, and I'm like, where do you keep the books? Uh, they have them, but it's, it's not the, it, it's a huge building, and I went in there, and, oops, sorry about that. I went in there, and, um, you know, it was mostly, there was a coffee shop and a music uh, <laughs> record shop and stuff, and I go, where are the books? Uh, but they're still out there, and I'm glad. Uh, you know, I, I would be loath uh, for anything to happen to this wonderful resource because, as you mentioned, you can get these books. You can get them for free. Um, well, it's the same with the, with the, the NLS, BPH, but uh, libraries, I can't say enough about them. I have, a, I have another question for sure. you. When reading a book and you find a mistake in the book, do you think, well, let me correct this or just read it as is? That's, that's a case-by-case case thing. Okay. If it's something so glaringly obvious that, you know, that uh, somebody like, uh, uh, I don't know, Longfellow, I read the entire Longfellow, I, I, I read something and it sounds totally stupid, I don't believe he would have said it. So I'll correct it, but I do make a note uh, to let whoever know that this appears to be a, a mistake, so I went ahead and corrected. Also things like typos that are clearly typos, I'll go ahead and fix it. Uh, but nothing major. I won't change the, the, uh, uh, the sense of a sentence. Uh, I hope that answers your question. We try to minimize that.
Sure. This you, gentleman right here? Where? Over to your left? Nashville. Right. Nashville. There you go. <laughs> okay, I haven't been doing Facebook or anything. I've been looking you up on BARD oh. and found you have read 346 books. I think it's more than that by and, now. But it may be. Um, but thank you very much for reading those. And I had a question, and I have to show it to you. Be right back. Oh. So we can get his name when he comes up here. Uh, yeah. Um, how the heck did you pronounce that? <laughs> Which one? The. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. I, I read this, what, 20 years ago? Well, there you go. Verbova, I guess. <laughs> Zuza Verbova. Okay. <laughs> you got me. I, <laughs> I'm sure I have it written down somewhere. But. Thanks. <laughs> Over Did there, Carrie. Mm -hmm. Oh, forgot about her, didn't she? No, I didn't. Better not. <laughs> oh, well, hello. Okay. Um, well, first of all, Gary, I want you to know, and you probably already know this, I know that unlike a movie star, you're not known by the world, but I think to all of us who read talking books, those of you who specifically narrate for us, you are our celebrities. Thank you. Thank you. But and that being said, um, some of us go back even before tapes to when there were records. Right. And I, FDR. <laughs> and didn't, FDR didn't you say that um, you also read some commercial books? And if so, my question yes. is, do you still use the name Gary Tells or yes. do you use a different name? Because I no, think... I some use different names. Yeah, they do. Uh, no, I use my name. Okay. Yeah, Gary, do you, I know some of the Audible books, for instance, they're, they are in fact read more dramatically. Yes. Do, yes. When you read, when you do read those commercial books, do you up the, uh, you know, the um, excitement right, factor? Right. No, I, I, I get you. Um, yes, I try not, uh, I guess it's, it's, uh, ingrained in me, uh, this, this, uh, try to keep it simple is what I try to do. Uh, beg pardon? Precisely. Bingo. I couldn't have said it myself. Maybe Longfellow could have. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Uh, Thank you. I wonder if when you do an audible book, if the process is quicker, if the timeline time is more difficult to do? Audible meaning the company audible? Right, I, I, I've done a bunch of different... Um, no, it's, it's pretty much the same, although they seem to be a little more lenient in terms of uh, mistakes and that, and that kind of thing. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I try to do the best I can, and so do the reviewers. Uh, there is kind of a, a um, you know, time limit they want. Can you get this done in two weeks or whatever? Uh, two weeks is very fast for any decent-sized book. Wow. Um, so to answer your question, not really. Uh, it's, it's, it's basically the same thing. In terms of format and stuff like that, and uh, they'll do markers and that kind of stuff, that I don't know anything about. They, the uh, technical people do that. I am the talent. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I have another question for you. Sure. Well, on a typical work day, you, you, uh, how many hours do you read? Four, six, eight, two? Well, mm. usually they're for eight. Um, I take breaks because speaking constantly does take a toll. Uh, and I, I am a professionally trained actor, uh, and uh, I, I remember one of my v 
voice for acting books said the best warm-up, the best practice you can have is reading out loud for like two and a half hours a day. So if you want to cultivate your voice, I would recommend that. Uh, but yeah, I do take breaks, take an hour lunch. It's like a regular work day, I guess, except much more fun. <laughs> this gentleman right here? The, well, uh, to your left. Yes, you, sir. And then this lady. Forgive me, I've forgotten your name, ma'am. Hi, it's Doug Powell from Falls Church, Virginia. Doug, all right. <laughs> We're neighbors. Yeah, exactly. Um, that uh, when you get a commercial book, does it come through Potomac, or do you contract uh, individually? And we, if and if you contact individually, uh, do you use the facilities, or do you have a home studio? That's a good question. What we do uh, is the Potomac Talking Books is a part of a company called the Cutting Corporation. They have a commercial branch, so. For, the, for those books, I stay in-house. I've done other commercial books at other places, but um, some of the, the if, you, if you've ever listened to a title called Listen and Live, there are all these wonderful stories. Mark Twain, actually, there's a, a, a story in there called Cannibalism in the Cars. It's not as bad as it's, it's a satire. It's, it's a satire about politics. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a good observation, actually. Um, so, no, for the most part, no. Uh, and also, the um, the the uh, commercial branch is called Graphic Audio. Okay, so we do with that. We do a lot more. It's cast as a movie sound effects, everybody's acting and doing the, the accents and everything. I've, I've played a bunch of cowboys, bad guys. I played Bat Masterson, right. hero, uh, and just a bunch of things, gunfighters, farmers, oh, oh and mutants. Uh, well, some of the sci-fi we do, um, what the heck was the name? Uh, is it Deathlands? I forget. I oh, was that? Yeah, yeah. And we also did, I played, uh, this was kind of fun, I played the bad guy, uh, you know, Lord Evil Guy. I, uh, what was his name? Stra Straff or uh, something like that. Evidently one of the, uh, the, the people who do the engineering and loves all those books. They're called the Mistborn books. So if you're into fantasy, sci-fi, uh, there you go. What's the guy, what's the bad guy's name? Stripe? Strap? Stripe, Stripe, I think. Mm, there's an F in there. There's an F in there. Never mind. I played the bad guy. It was a lot of fun. I get crushed by a giant rock. Uh, so, yeah. You have to do all the, you know, when you get punched or shot or fall off your horse, all kinds of stuff like that. So that's, that's more fun, actually, in many ways, because you can cut loose. Uh, I, I have a question for you that you may not want to answer, um, Gary. Or, yes. Um, or no. Some of us, exactly. Some of us are wondering um, if you know anything about whatever happened to Gregory Gordon. Oh, yes. Um, he ha there, there was some differences uh, between, yeah, the, the manager. He had been doing some bad things. I, I you know, don't want to, I don't know how much I can, uh, but it, it, it had to do with the women at work, so. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have even said that much. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people liked his stuff, too. Well, he, he, got, he got an awful lot done, and he did a lot of series, so. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I've, I knew Greg for many, many years. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Ma'am? Wait a second. Hold on. Be I've got right the mic, guys. 
<laughs> um, it's Chris Hunsinger again, and uh -huh. I just wanted to make a comment. I actually had, now you don't think this would, have, this would ever happen, but I had an Alexander Scorby version uh, of, wait a minute, of, of uh, F, no, F, F. Scott Fitzgerald Gatsby, I oh. think, okay. And I read that one, and then I found a newer one that was a different copyright. And of course, the early versions of that book had some typos that Fitzgerald complained about that nobody fixed, and the later version um, changed a word, and I can't remember what the word was, but it was so funny, it was so obviously, you know, the other word was so much better. And, oh, and, no. and it's one of those things where I can't remember what it was, but it just fascinated the heck out of me that here's a something that happened to a, a Scorby book that you just couldn't, you know, that, and of course he was reading exactly what he saw. Sure. But it was an old, when that book came out, they wanted it out so fast that they, and Fitzgerald ranted and raved about these errors. Ooh. I can't really remember what the word was. Well, Scorby, he, he had some talent. I, I, <laughs> I remember he used to be a narrator on all kinds of TV shows. Was it the uh, Jacques Cousteau before uh, Rod Serling? I think he was doing that. Um, wonderful voice, wonderful voice. Uh, we got some. Right. Yeah, anybody? Oh, Anything I've got the want? mic again. I'm sorry. Um, this is Josette here again and again. It's another question I've asked all the narrators that come. Uh -huh. um, what are the some of the more humorous things you can think of that happened at work in regard to reading stuff or bloopers or whatever you want to call them? <laughs> Uh, yeah, there are a lot of bloopers. Uh, trust me, somebody made up. Uh, oh, at the library annex uh, on Taylor Street, not the library itself, but they have an annex where they have the library studio. They keep uh, what they call the pig journal. I don't know why they call it that, but it's all these lines from books that you're going, I can't believe somebody actually wrote that. Uh, so I've tried to get them to publish it, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. What's one of the ones I had was this, this stupid uh, financial thriller type of thing. And um, the, the hero, he, he was part of that savings and loan debacle, and he's gotten out of jail now, and he wants to go straight. Um, and he's sitting at dinner with these folks, and the waitress asked, what would you like to drink? And the line was, he ordered a sapphire gin martini, which uh, gained a lot of admiring looks from the ladies at the table. And I thought, is that all it takes? Because uh, <laughs> uh, sapphire gin martini, please. Uh, but a lot of them are just Dumber than, oh, that same book, that's right. That same book, the guy had two characters getting on an elevator by themselves and they're having a dialogue. Then a third person pipes in uh, magically from the elevator. Uh, you know, it's like, don't these people have editors? And if they do, they should be fired. <laughs> Anyone else yeah. back here? I, yes. This is Adam Rushful, and Hi, Adam. I want to go back to the corrections thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I know probably about 40, 45 years ago, NLS was much stricter on corrections and uh, whatever uh, with the policy that if it was in the book, you read it as is. Right. Uh, for instance, if you're reading Civil War and it said 1963 when it should have been 1863, right. um, they were told to read 19 because the blind person should you know be able to say oh they made a mistake just right. as easily as the sighted person but there was an instance and Paul may be able to help with this uh, there's a well-known narrator Alan Hewitt I believe was the one and uh, at that time doing records and when he reached the end there was a compound sentence that read so-and-so 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 semicolon and John went to the store three hours later in the morning. And they wanted him to end the side of the record 
at that semicolon yes. and then start the next side saying, and John went to, and he said, that's silly. You don't start a side in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. And, and they um, got rid of, yeah, I think it was Alan Hill, but they got rid of him because of that. Gotta be, see, that's the thing. You, you know, we do need bureaucracy, but sometimes bureaucracy just gets in the way. Um, for, for instance, what you said, I mentioned this earlier, I was reading Glengarry Glen Ross, if any of you folks are familiar with that, David Mamet, very, you know, yeah, see, he's your lightning speed, uh, dialogue, lot of cuss words. Uh, yeah, well, that's like his stock in trade almost. Um, but at one point, I had a line that was just an ellipsis and an exclamation point. And you have to read it. So, I, you know, I didn't know what to do. Should I go, or, you know, something like that, Whoop! or, you know, some guttural thing that, uh, I forget what I did, but I'll never forget that. Yeah, it's, and it's also difficult in, in cases like this where you have this lightning fast dialogue, this, uh, you know, as Mamet is uh, given to doing. But having to stop to mention the character, you know, the guy says, oh, drop dead, you stupid pig. Jim, you know, and then he and then he responds. You don't you don't have that lightning fast back and forth. It's a bit of a um, uh, what's the word a hindrance. But I think, mo and you you folks can speak to this better than I can. I, I think you become accustomed to those things. I'm guessing you become accustomed to that kind of thing, and kind of it kind of becomes second nature, and you don't think about it. But that's, that's, I guess, up to the individual. But you gotta do what you gotta do. Any more questions? All set? Yeah, I know, uh, that's another thing. And w right, so we s sound like chipmunks. Oh, oh you, can you can mess with the pitch. Yeah. yeah. You, right. you well, and there was, there there was um, speech compression on some of the tape recorders too. But, mm -hmm. but now with uh, with digital, we can, uh, we we can speed you up to, to about three and a half times, the 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 speed without without very much degradation at all. Which which I'm sorry to tell you is how I read the New York Times. So. <laughs> 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 That's right. It's quite all right. I'm sure it's a, an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Um, we still have a couple of questions. We, we do. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just announce to folks that we're probably down to the stage where we have three or four questions left. But there is a, a, a categorical inability on the part of this group for the most part and that's an idiotic statement, but to follow directions. We're, we're going to pull the mic out of your hands and do terrible things to you if you don't tell us your name. Oh, that's mean. All right, uh, uh, right ahead here. I just did an article for our, we have a newsletter called We're the gonna Lord. take that microphone away from <laughs> you. <laughs> from the, um, I forget whether I did it for the Braille magazine or for the Lua Ledger, but it was about how many plays NLS doesn't produce, uh, how absolutely minimal the drama selections I, are. It's horrifying. It's like 255 I, or that's something. That's ridiculous. Well, I, I, but I have you have, I want you to talk, you described with the Mammoth uh, play just mm -hmm. raised what may be a terrible, you know, problem, having to stop to say the character name. Right. Uh, now, and we know you can't, we can't, ha I'm, I will get to the question, We and I'll stop pontificating. We do know that you can't literally have a cast recording as, as Audible say can because of copyright laws. Right. But do, could you talk a little more about the problems of reading a play? Sure. Uh, you know, that was uh, basically you summed, it, uh, summed up the main problems. 
I had. If you can't keep the pace going, uh, it slows it down. I, again, you folks would know, know better than I. I have not done, I don't think I've done any other plays, and I don't recall anybody else having done any. That doesn't mean they didn't do it, but um, I'm imagining that it might be because of the very problem you stated, uh, you know, naming a character and just interrupting the, uh, uh, the flow. Oh, yeah, well, what I try to do is, yeah, I don't want to do a, you know, so I, I just kind of like soften my voice a bit. I, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody would buy me as a woman, so I don't even, <laughs> I don't even try to pretend. And the beard probably gives it away. Um, and another thing, I forgot to mention this. We're supposed to read the stage directions, so if a character pauses, you can't just pause. You have to say, pause. Wow. I know, it just seems silly. So I'm glad I don't do that many plays, but I'm perfectly willing. Actually, I had, and I, I, I don't think I need a mic, and it's sort of a follow-up. I had um, stopped reading plays um, by Fockenbook and would, would, would generally read them in Braille instead by preference. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work as well. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, what you, you mentioned the Harry Potter plays. Yeah. Was that read by a cast or by one? No, one person. Was that Jim Dale? No. I know he read the books. No, it was no. recorded on uh, uh, it was, it NLS. Was uh, oh, it NLS, was. I can't remember who did it. Um, I'll be darned. It was the first child. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Was it a man, woman? Yeah, right. Male, female, do you recall? Uh, no, it, it was a male. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, and, and a male with a mild, very mild, almost, almost, uh, almost uh, Anglophile American accent. Oh, okay, so kind of mid-Atlantic yes. type of thing the old movie stars used to. I got you. Well, that, that would work, I would think, because, you know. It worked a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah, I, I would think so. Eric, who? Not, not the last drunk of Earth. The play. Yes, they do. Um, Carrie Johnson from Nashville again. Hey, <laughs> Thank you. all right. <laughs> you, you can hold on to the mic. I was, uh, I was looking through your list oh. uh, at NLS, and... Um, I noticed there was a lot of science fiction. Do yes. you, is that one of your favorite genres, either to read or to read out loud? You know, I, I, I'm not sure that I have a favorite genre. It's kind no, of, nothing. I guess, like asking who's your favorite kid. I do love a lot of science fiction. Mm -hmm. uh, we discussed Philip K. Dick, right? Yes, And yes. Uh, I can't say enough about that guy. Um, but, and oh, I read a bunch of um, um, H.G. Wells. Uh, 
I read a biography of H.G. Wells, which okay. was fascinating. Oh, you heard that? Oh. Oh, you missed the best part. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I do love, uh, but, but as, uh, I forget now who I discussed this with, the old kind of uh, 19th century English stuff, although yeah. mm -hmm. I don't think most people would pair me with that. Although the I classics. Can, uh, yeah, the <laughs> classics I love. Well, I did read a lot of Dickens. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, I read The Complete Longfellow. Oh. And uh, for the first time, I read the entire poem Hi Hiawatha. I did not know it was okay. such a giant poem. Yeah. But it's a, it's a great poem. Beautiful Speaking stuff. of which, I noticed you read A History of the American People, 53 yes. hours or something. I bet that was fun. Three hours. 53. 53. Oh, I remember that. That was, that was by a British guy. Uh, yeah, and so there was a lot of research. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, a lot of research had to be done with that. One of the first books I did was, what was it called? Oh, America BC. It was about Native Americans before we came over and ruined everything. And that was pretty fascinating. Uh, I forget the figure, but we've lost something like 600 languages because of what, or maybe not quite that high, but high in the hundreds. Languages because we just destroy these cultures. It's, it's a shame. Thank you. Really, I hope they spoke it into a microphone so we can at least preserve it and maybe teach some of their kids. Those are the Navajos, right, yeah. Oh, I liked that book. I loved that book. It was, you out of here? Good to meet you, man. Have a good one, Ralph. Yeah, um, it, was the, the, uh, it was a fictionalized account of the 1939 World's Fair, and... Uh, you know, they had, if you've read about it, they had the Trilon and the Perisphere. Those were the big things. Little Egypt danced in the midway. Um, and it was told from the point of view of an old lady uh, whose husband, I think, worked on it. Or I can't remember. It's been many years. But again, it was a fascinating book, full of great pictures. And it really, I thought, put you in the, you know, put you there. Uh, you know, of course we, we can't, uh, oh, and that's, I think that's where the first public uh, exhibition of TV, it was the president. You're correct. Who, uh, yeah, where they, where people first saw television, and it was the president, Hoover, at the time, uh, who did a little address, I, I don't If it was 39, it wouldn't have been Hoover. It would have been Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Sorry. The last book I read was, oh, it was a science book for kids. <sighs> Curse you. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, what the heck was that about? I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. It's been some time. They put me on a lot of magazines, so I've forgotten. What the The very first book I read was a book called uh, American Idioms and Idiomatic Expressions. Now, to give you an idea of how you know, up, up to date this is, they had things like bees knees and bobby soxers and, you know, things, I don't even think my grandparents use those terms. So, you know. Well, as the ad says, nobody does, Dad. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was actually kind of mind-numbing because it's just one little entry, little entry, little entry, and you do hundreds of those and you're like, I want to go to sleep now. <laughs> but, you know, that was my first one. They, they wanted to try me out. 
but, and some of the earlier, I did uh, the book Shrek, which is obviously a children's book, if you have any kids, grandkids that love those movies. Uh, the, the book is very different from the movie. It's just, it's just short. It's, it's like, a, you know, like a Dr. Seuss type of book. It's, it's not a big uh, novel. I, I do love reading children's books because then you can do the funny voices and everything because I think that's kids expect that. They don't want to hear some old guy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, and I'm 62, so... Uh, that, that answers that. Um, should I give her the mic? Or? Uh, well, no, I think we're really about done, I'm afraid. Oh, okay. Um, I, can, I, I can come up and talk yeah. to you. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I hope you will join me in thanking Gary Tells for spending time with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank and you. We, we, we really should thank him for those two. Um, 